Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Raising Gen Z, your resource for raising confident, thriving teens in today's complicated world. I'm Shira Myro, your host, and I'm a marriage and family psychotherapist and mother of two teen boys. The world of sex and dating looks entirely different for Gen Z than their parents' generation. Between the advent of social media, smartphones, instant access to online porn, hookup culture, and the mainstreaming of LGBTQT, it's a vastly different landscape. Many of us don't have a handle on how these dramatic changes have affected our kids and shaped their developing attitudes towards sex and dating. Recent studies have shown that Gen Z has opted out of many of the rites of passage that we took for granted growing up, from driving and getting jobs to dating and courtship rituals. Now, while there's universal dislike of dating apps, which many young people often avoid, the question is, how are our teens approaching the subject, and how can we support them? Here to enlighten us is dating coach and relationship expert Kim Seltzer. In addition to having been a therapist, she's a nationally acclaimed dating coach, style, and image expert. Kim has a fantastic podcast called The Charisma Quotient, which is essential listening for parents who are single and looking for guidance on the dating scene. Kim is also the mother of two teen boys who are headed off to college this fall, so we're really excited to have her today. Kim, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's so good to be here. We're so happy to have you. So my first question is, do you think dating among teens has gone the way of the proverbial dodo bird? <laughs> I, I love that, by the way. <laughs> I couldn't help it. Oh, the dodo bird. I, no, they still exist somewhere or no? They're gone, right? I'm, yeah, I, I'm not sure. I'm, I'll get back to you on that. Yeah, because I hope that is not the case with our teenagers. Wow. Well, yes, it's, it is definitely um, different. I'll start with that, right? And what's interesting for me to see is, you know, I work with people of all ages, you know, from teens all the way up to 85. And I just find that each generation has their own set of challenges, nuances, you know, difficulties and, and ways that they have to navigate the dating scene. And, you know, the things that I'm finding with the younger generation, and it's, I would say like from, you know, the millennials to the Gen Zs is that the sense of like what you talked about in the beginning, courtship has really gone away. Like they're kind of like, let's hang out and hook up. Um, exactly. And so they don't really know what it's like to kind of do that slow dating and really getting to know someone and earning each other and all that stuff that, like you said, we took for granted. And, and I think part of building an emotional connection is somewhat an enigma for them. So that has been something that I um, kind of see as almost an, another like pandemic epidemic in my practice, <laughs> right? And helping the younger generation really understand what it means to build an emotional connection and, and to be more purposeful and intention in building that. Gosh, wonderful answer. And it makes me have so many additional questions. But do you think, I mean, I know we sort of reflexively say, oh, it's because they're true digital natives and everything mm. is online and social media has had such an impact on their their communication style and their sense of themselves. How do you think digital media or social media has affected the courtship, what we used to call courtship? Oh my God. That's such a good question because yeah, like 
you know, obviously I haven't done hard research myself on it, but I do think there is a connection to kind of the instant gratification that we all get in the tech world to how relationships are and the and the, the build of relationships, right? And so there is this sense of kind of disposable mentality with not just the younger generations. Honestly, it's trickling down to all generations, you know, even our generations, the parent, you know, where it's kind of like no one really wants to sit and earn something and cultivate it and work through it. It's like if something is a little off and it doesn't work, they're gone. We'll swipe right next to this, the next one, you know? And exactly. Yeah. So yeah. I do think that it has had an impact. And what's interesting to me about the pandemic, you know, it's, it, it's almost this paradox effect. And, and I'm seeing this, we've been talking about this a lot in our industry that it has allowed even that younger generation to slow down and really like think more about what it is that they all want. And with that, they're understanding that, you know, you have to be slower in the way that you make connections now. Like we we couldn't just go out and meet someone and hang out and hook up anymore, you know? Mm-hmm, so exactly. People had to learn how to have conversations. Like the funniest example of this is um, I remember, I, don't, I can't remember how old she was, but definitely a Gen Zer. And I was trying to help her kind of progress from the DMs, right? And the text exchanges online to a conversation on the phone. And it was funny because she said, Kimmy, like, I, I don't honestly don't even know how to talk on the phone. I said, Oh, wow. <laughs> well, wow. Wow. So that's interesting. And then when we dug a little bit more, she said something really interesting. Now, some of it as a therapist, and you'll appreciate this had to do with some of her upbringing. And she was having a lot of self worth issues, you know, overall. And what she said is that when you took away the visual aspect of someone, so she was even more comfortable on video dates than just the phone, because then she could have control over how somebody was viewing her, oh, which I thought was really yeah. interesting. And and I think that's another aspect of social media that I have found is that these kids have kind of grown up to learn how to get validated by how someone looks and how someone likes you. And then the amount of likes versus building the internal validation, which is different, you know, like where our generation was. So that's another rub that I'm finding and how like technology has affected the relationship. So with this particular client, like I had to teach her how to give good phone, you know, like, <laughs> right? like I, I had to help her understand that conversation is just as sexy and attractive and it's more connected than just relying on how someone looks. But like for her, she was worried about how others thought of her. So she was looking at this, like the cues on people's faces. It was so fascinating, actually. And so she had to learn to pull back and say, hey, you know, I love me and I'm happy with just the way that we're having a conversation and not worry so much about what other people think and feel. And because of that, she became more present as well. Exactly. I so appreciate that. And it's hard, especially for adolescents and young adults where they're so self-conscious that that can completely eclipse everything else that's going on. Mm -hmm. That anxiety, that social anxiety, what are they thinking about me? How am I coming off? How am I appearing? 
<laughs> not even if there's something right, you know, between my teeth, but, yeah. but you know, <laughs> so is my hair okay? All of these things, it is a, it, it is about control versus being present and really open and curious because I think it gets in the way of curiosity. It gets in the way of present moment conversation. And so it, I think it's, it's quite the hindrance and no matter what age range, you know, when that anxiety is louder than anything else. Yeah. Oh, I love that you just talked about curiosity. It's funny because that is one of the things I tell my clients when they're on a date to really focus on two things. Just focus on connecting with them and being curious about them. So it's funny that you just said that because it is so true. You know, my son, I'll throw my son under the bus because we were laughing about it the other you, day. You have to name his name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, because it's exactly what we're talking about. And he was telling me about this kid that he met. And this is not even relation to dating. It's just an example of how they they connect with each other. And I asked him to me very simple questions that like you and I would ask right away. I'm like, well, where are they from? And like, how big is their family? And like, you know, kind of getting like, you know, the context of a person. He's like, mom, we don't talk about like, we don't talk like that. You know, like we don't get to talk about video games. We talk about, you know, hobbies and interests. We don't talk about like personal stuff. And I just thought it was interesting that he thought it was personal. And Hmm. I really do think that that's true, too. And I look at like, you know, the younger conversations that it has to do more with facts than being curious about the person. Yeah, more about broadcasting Hmm. or or sharing what you like, sharing what you're interested, what TikTok videos you like or right? Or or music. So in other words, your interests or or your passions, you're looking for commonalities there. And that might be the way that they connect versus maybe some other things that, you know, we as adults might find more maybe initially compelling. So, you know, it's hard to put your brain back into the the mind of a teenager. My next question for you was the hookup culture. It's not that people haven't been hooking up since eons, but, but it does seem like hookup culture, especially for college aged kids, that's really become its own thing where you would hook up before you date, which I mean, I find as a parent, just personally disturbing, (laughs) but you know, what kind of counsel do you give your boys who are kind of entering college and they're, they're probably going to have to confront that culture? Yeah, you know, I think it all boils down to communication, honestly, like, and and, and that's what I really kind of teach my boys and my clients for that matter, is that no matter what your belief system is, or, you know, what generation you come from, as long as you're communicating what you want, what you're comfortable with, and really like understand each other where they where you come from and if you're on the same page then then it's okay you know i actually with my clients i i use what i call a bucket system with them when they're dating and this could be for any generation and what i mean by that is i i have them put different categories like in buckets of people that they meet so that they can kind of think about how they think of them. You know, mm-hmm. some people are just fun buckets and that's okay as long bo- as both parties want to just hook up and have fun. Then fun there's like, right? <laughs> I love like, it. Yeah. And then there's what I call potential buckets where, hey, like this person's might be relationship material, like they have potential. 
And those are the kind of people where you're going to slow down, you know, and really just kind of cultivate more of that emotional connection and see where that develops. Um, So there's all, you know, I think it also takes the guilt out of it when you know exactly what this person is to you. And again, if like you're on the same page as somebody, then that's half the battle. The worst is when one party thinks it's one thing and the other doesn't. And then, you know, there's going to be hurt. There's going to be misunderstandings and that kind of thing. But again, it's good communication. And that trickles down from the parents as well. You know, like I do have conversations with my kids and I encourage other parents to have conversations and just like, hey, like, how are you feeling? How how are you doing with girls? What do you think about, you know, just having that open line so that they know that you're there to talk to? Because it is hard being that age, you know, you're still trying to figure it out. Gosh, I mean, so difficult. And, and I don't think, I don't think that piece of it is different. I just think the platforms of communication have really changed. Mm, And I think this is, this must be a complaint for your clients, but I can see that like if texting is the primary means of communicating, and I know uh, I brought this up in the show before, there's all those nonverbals. There's Mm -hmm. right. The, the anxiety that comes, you know, with the dot, 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 the, the potential for ghosting and orbiting and and all of those things that just put people on edge because they really have no way of knowing. They're kind of in this kind of suspense all the time. Okay, is this person into me? Are they not that into me? Like, are they kicking my chain? And, you know, I can see just how incredibly anxiety provoking that is. But, you know, I imagine people had avoidance mechanisms from before. It just wasn't as I want to say universal or easy access, so to speak. Mm, Yeah, no, that's so, that is so true. I know that uh, the nonverbal communication is just, when you can't see it, there's so many misunderstandings and it breaks my heart when I actually go into profiles and I even see where people are breaking down because everyone's assuming and people have anxiety. And like you said, maybe they were predisposed to certain anxieties and and whatnot or avoidant behaviors. But then, yeah, it just gets amplified, you know, when you're dating and you don't know how the other person is feeling or what their intention is when you see a dot, dot, dot. And if you don't have a smiley face after it, are they kidding? Like you'd sure. What's the subtext? Yeah. 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 So that's why, I mean, I think the, the best thing we can do with this generation too, is to really encourage that interaction. So whether it's a phone call, even the video calls, even talking with one another so that things don't fall apart because the texting, and I, I've used this phrase a lot, like you, you know, as a therapist, what parallel play is. I think that people are parallel talking to one another when it's texting, right? So it's like, here's my day, here's my day. You know, like people are just kind of reporting to each other, but they're not interacting. And there's a difference in the way that conversations go when that happens. And how would you suggest, let's say, how would you talk to somebody about deepening into conversation? Let's say you thought or your teen thought, okay, this this is not the fun bucket, but this could be <laughs> the potential bucket. How could I get to know somebody a little bit more deeply so I could determine, you know, would I want to go out with them? 
Yeah, you know, I have this whole formula that I teach people. It's called the social engagement formula. And again, it's all ages. And it's like, how do you move conversations from your head to something that's more connected and heart driven? And a lot has to do with emotions and doing a lot of like emotional intelligence work with people and that because, you know, the mistake is, is and, and this shows up in the DMs, it shows up in conversations is that people are talking at each other and not with each other and exactly. just getting in the habit of understanding the interplay between asking questions, listening, and then asking a question back. Now there's a novel idea, you know, like instead of just <laughs> reporting to each other. Yes, exactly, exactly. Right? Oh my God. No, I got a text from a client today and she was so funny because she was about to like totally dismiss this guy. And he, to me, seemed adorable when I saw the text exchanges, but she was like, oh my God, he wants to meet with me right away. And I said, well, um, okay. And like, maybe just ask him to go on the phone and have a conversation. But then I see in her little bubble, she asked four different questions at one time. I said, you, you just asked him, Four questions, like where's he even supposed to start, you know, with you? So maybe he just wants to meet with you and and talk about all this stuff, you know? And so again, like there's just these little habits that everyone's getting into that, you know, we're losing that sense of connection. I so appreciate that. You know, what what comes to mind is that broadcasting performative quality about about social media mm-hmm. that makes it difficult to engage in that that interplay you're talking about that back and forth of asking questions and then responding and then coming back you know it it really it's it's like a different mode it's a completely different mode to be in it it requires you to kind of switch off and we've been talking about being more curious and listening as mm-hmm. opposed to broadcasting or projecting or performing you know? Yes. Very well put. Yeah. And I, I do think now that we're talking out loud and thinking about it, like, yeah, social media, you're, you're training your brain to do that. You're used to broadcasting on social media, if you think about it. So this younger generation, that's how they're learning to have conversations and get validated. Absolutely. And there's something so different. I mean, I've been noticing this as we're sort of moving into right post-pandemic life. About mm-hmm. the, it's not even just the nonverbals, but the energy of being around someone. That is not necessarily something you can pick up uh, on yeah. when you're texting or DMing or uh, even FaceTiming. It's it's just it's just really different. And I, I don't really think there's a substitute for it. And certainly, you, you know, a lot of us have had some of our early experiences you know, inebriated, yeah. but, although I don't know that's allowed these days, but that too can really put a dent in your ability to be aware of what's happening, feeling your senses, being in your body, noticing your surroundings. I mean, may take the edge off some anxiety, but I'd want to invite my my, well, my older son, you know, who's exploring like to not be under the influence of anything, but just to be present to his experience so he could actually take it in because there's, um, gosh, there's so, so much to learn and, and there's no real bypassing that no matter how much TV or whatever it is you're watching or, you know, even, you know, I hate to say this and we always have to sort of <laughs> up with the porn question, oh, which yeah. that that's another consideration because this generation has, has been exposed to it, has seen so much of it. And what are your thoughts, you know, especially around 
dating, knowing that, you know, your kids have, have seen this stuff and around sex, do you, do you talk to your kids about it or, or even your clients? I mean, now it's part of the equation, I think. Yeah, it is interesting. I mean, it doesn't come up that often, interestingly, but you know, what I guess I think about, it's so true, like coming from our generation where people had to hide Playboy magazines underneath a bed, you know, yeah. to these kids looking at things on YouTube at like five. I mean, who knows, you know, when yeah. some of these kids have been exposed to stuff like that. I don't know. It's almost like good news, bad news. Like I feel like in our generation, there was a little bit of shame around it too, because it wasn't so open that you know, sneaking and trying to learn on your own about sex. That's kind of like what our generation did because it just wasn't as accepted and open where now this generation, it's like the pendulum effect. It's almost gone the other way, right? And where they're exposed to so much that they can get information. You know, if you're, if the parents aren't teaching them, I mean, they'll just get it from social media or friends, but then there's the danger of that too. You know, because then there's misinformation, then there's aggression that comes from that, you know, like oh, all kinds of, oh, all kinds all of kind. things. I mean, that's yeah. a whole show in itself that you should have some expert on there for. But yeah, I mean, honestly, like each kind of challenge brings other challenges. And, and again, it all boils down to communication, because if you see any red flags with your kids, don't be fearful of asking them questions. I think sometimes, especially from our generation, we get worried to talk to our kids because that's how we were raised. But these kids are more open. And actually, I think that's a good thing. You know, they're not as scared to talk about sex as I think we were. And I'm saying the collective we because not everybody obviously grew up that way. But I'm just saying I see a difference in the generations. So yeah, I agree, I agree with you. Yeah, I, I, I think they're so much more adept at certainly getting information and asking questions. And I'm so glad that you brought that up. I, I think it's really true. I mean, I grew up that there were so many things that I couldn't talk to my parents about and sensed, uh, well, my dad's discomfort about so many things. You just knew not to go there. Yeah. Or I knew, yeah. Yeah, that was or I knew what his answer was, right? <laughs> Before asking. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, she didn't want to get the lecture. You're like, okay, lecture one through 20, which one is it? Yeah. And if you think about it, it was it, because it was really out of their own discomfort, right? Like, so, because yes. they were uncomfortable, then it became uncomfortable for us. And right. So that it could just snowball. So that's kind of the good thing about social media and just being exposed is that it's not so shameful, you know, for this generation. Exactly. And I do think, I guess back to the dating question, I, I remember mm -hmm. listening to a podcast with the anthropologist uh, Helen Fisher, and she's also a big proponent of what she calls slow love, uh -huh, which I think yeah. you were referring to, is that there isn't a substitute for getting to know someone. You You can't kind of fast track that. I mean, maybe you might have sex before uh, getting to know them. But I think we're making these assumptions that, you know, the kids don't value relationships or are, you know, not going to get married. Well, I, well that's another conversation. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I think there are certain aspects of uh, humanity that are universal and, and healthy relationships are part of that. And I think that we can encourage, you know, just like a, a, even a platonic friendship, there's no mm -hmm. substitute for, for time to get yeah. to know someone and for to develop feelings of attachment or or connection that those um 
those things it's not different for this generation, even if they, they have more ways to, to communicate. And I want to say a lot more distractions that that's maybe one thing oh, that, yeah. that I notice is just the, the level of distraction and disengagement and the horrifying numbers of how many hours. I mean, I want to say as adults, we're just as addicted. So, <laughs> there, but, you know, yeah, well, and with the distractions, you also have so many options, right? And so back in the day when, you know, there was no computers or internet, Betty Sue and Bob got together because they were neighbors. I mean, where else do they go to find somebody, right? So it was just people gave each other chances, though, I think because of that. And so because there wasn't so many options, people were more focused and they were able to be kind of slower. So you know, again, there's no right or wrong in each generation. It's just different now. So how can we kind of have a happy medium with it? Because I don't, you know, I think it's good to have choices and also be able to be exposed to a lot of different people so that you, you end up with someone who's right for you or a situation that's right for you. But yeah, like I think there just needs to be more intention with the way that people go at it and allow themselves to slow down for it. You know, it's, it's fascinating because everything is so sped up in, in our world. People are mm-hmm. making quick choices. How would you say that to a teen feeling like they want to explore the world and they want to exercise their options? And I know for being the mother of boys, but you know, they love the idea like they got a lot of options all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they do. Yeah. I, I, and I'm all for it, actually. I mean, when I'm working with clients and whether you're, see, to me, it's the same phase. Whether you're a teenager or someone young first starting out or you are a new dater after a long relationship. So if let's say you are coming out of a marriage after 25 years you are in the same position as your teenager. Just FYI. I know that you think you're more experienced and blah, blah, blah. But I I try to tell people all the time when they're coming out of like a long relationship, and that was my journey, you really, you're like a fish out of water because the last time you dated was, you know, in another world, another planet. And maybe you never dated to begin with. Maybe you were just only like one or two relationships. So it doesn't matter what, age you are at, it really depends on your experience. And that's how I see it. And if you are not an experienced quote unquote dater, I think it's great to have a period of time where you do have options. Because really, what you're doing is getting to know yourself. You're dating yourself by dating different people. And that's not a bad thing. Because in the end, then you might pick someone who is more right for you than just like kind of falling into a relationship without really being clear of who you are. That's wonderful advice. Incredible advice. Thank you, Kim, for that. And my last question, kind of building from that, what do you make of teens going off to college, um, never having had any sexual experiences, you know, not, not just due to COVID, but, mm-hmm. you know, some research has, has shown that this particular generation is less sexually active than previous ones for all the reasons that we, we talked about. But, you know, some of them have never even kissed another person what advice would you give there? Yeah, I mean, and I, I don't really think that that matters. I mean, my God, I didn't, I just even myself, I didn't date anybody until I was in college. So for me, college was my first experience. I think it's a very common thing. 
And again, it just comes down to conversation and communication. And if kids have questions about it, knowing that there's a safe place to ask questions. And the kids may not be also really comfortable with talking to their parents about it. So it could be a therapist, it could be a mentor, it could be an uncle, it could be an aunt, you know, sometimes something, somebody who's a little more distant from, you know, the parent it might be embarrassing for the kids, you know, and, and that's okay. But honestly, as long as they get some education around it, and being safe, obviously, the safety is really the, the thing. It's not about the lack of experience. It's about just, you know, people feeling safe and being safe. And when you say feeling safe and being safe, could you elaborate on that a little bit? Well, yeah, like I think, you know, especially if, if it's a teenage girl, you know, that can be quite scary, you know, yes, um, <laughs> feeling agreed feeling safe in your first sexual experience and not going out into the whole new world. Your parents aren't there. And yeah, it can be really um, scary. And then, you know, boys typically, sometimes they don't know how to be safe, you know, and that could mean being safe in terms of STDs or not getting the girl pregnant, but it also is respecting a woman's body and that kind of thing. Like there's so many little nuances. I feel like this, again, another show. Um, Sure. And consent. I mean, now the right consent is completely changed and that's challenging to navigate, but important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And to your point, the gosh, the nuances of it all has changed with the different kinds of relationships that are out there too, you know? And so it, it really is hoping that your child has the resources and mentors that they feel that they can be open with and get education around and supported by. Oh, that's really great. And oh my goodness, I could talk to you for hours, but I I have one more question I'm curious about. And I don't imagine it's unique to teens and young adults, but for people who are dating many people at the same time, Mm -hmm. and I know that's, that's always been around, but do you think there's a right way to do that or a wrong way to do that? Or do you owe somebody an explanation that you're, you're not being exclusive to them? Oh yeah. yeah. Well, first of all, just hire me and I'll teach you my dating plan. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I'm very intentional. You know, when, when I have people date up a storm and it, it can feel really weird for some people, especially if you're like a relationship person Um, just dating without getting attached is how I put it, is really, Uh really important part of the journey. And when somebody hasn't had that experience, there are some steps to look at. And the first thing that I, I do tell people to do is to, and it's more of like a mentality, it's to pretend that you are just on the playground and learning how to play. It really is that. It's not getting too caught up in the future forecasting or worrying about what the future holds for this particular person you're talking to. I think that's the danger with relationship people is they they start forecasting, you know, like, are you my boyfriend? Are you my girlfriend? Do you have what it takes? You know, it's like, wait a second. Let's can we just go back and go on the seesaw and play and get curious mm-hmm. and connect, you know, and Let me tell you, that is really challenging for a lot of people. But when they learn how to do that, dating becomes so much more fun and intentional. And then people end up graduating. I say, okay, so now we got beyond kindergarten. Now it's time to graduate to mm, maybe 
maybe third grade. Let's move up a little bit. Now we can get a little more picky, you know, so like doing it in steps, I just find is really healthy and good. And then it takes the pressure off, doesn't it? It does. Yes. Letting go of that expectation and the outcomes is huge because that's part of where the anxieties come from. Absolutely. Kim, this was so wonderful. There was so many wonderful insights and, and tips that you gave. Um, thank you so much for joining us. I'm, I'm really grateful you decided to do this. Oh my gosh. I'm so like happy to do this and honored to, to be here. Great. If people want to find you, um, what's your social handle and your website? Yeah. I mean, pretty much I'm Kimmy Seltzer everywhere. So you can go to KimmySeltzer.com is my website. All my social media handles are at Kimmy Seltzer. And if you have any question, either for your kid or yourself, you can go to AskKimmy.com, AskKimmy, like two words.com. And that way you can, you know, be in my community and ask me any question that you want and have a lot of like stuff going on and would love to help anyone who needs it. Thank you so much. Well, that's it for this episode. And we want to thank you, our audience, for being with us today. You can join us every other week as we'll continue to unpack the most pressing issues around parenting teens. You can also follow us on at Raising Gen Z on Instagram and send us your questions. We always want to hear from you. I'm your host, Shira Myro. Thank you again, and we'll see you next time.